Welcome to the Frontline Podcast, brought to you in association with the Atler Group. Atler Group is a collaboration of businesses with a collective history of over 130 years, bringing financial solution to its clients in the world of accountancy, audit, advisory, fiduciary and retirement benefit solutions. Visit atler.im today. On the Frontline Podcast, we chat to leaders in business and successful entrepreneurs to bring you their in-depth and bite-sized opinions that will add value to you and your mind. Dave, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate you sparing us a little bit of time. No problem. Thanks for having me on. So we're here to talk about vulnerable clients. Uh, perhaps to set the scene for our listeners, perhaps can you define that? Give us a definition of what, what we should be thinking about when we think about vulnerable clients. Yeah, sure. I think the, um, I'll have to read this one out, the, uh, the, the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority, defined vulnerability uh, in their original paper on, on the topic in 2015. Uh, and they actually gave the definition that I'll read out in a second. They gave it as their initial definition. And then I think about a year or so later, they changed it to a different one. And then about a year after that, they came back to this definition, which in a way highlights how difficult uh, a thing it is to define. But here we go anyway. The, the, the FCA say a vulnerable customer is someone who, due to their personal circumstances, is especially susceptible to harm, particularly when a firm is not acting with appropriate levels of care. So, you know, it, it's not an easy thing to define. Um, I think from our point of view uh, as a wealth manager, investment manager, and for financial services providers in general, it's worth defining vulnerability uh, as a result of analysis of your own client bank and target market if that makes sense. The regulatory guidance is, is useful, but I think the starting point for considering vulnerability has to be the, the service that you're already offering to your, to your clients. And do you, uh, I mean, how do you make that assessment? Why, why is the start point? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's basically inter- interaction. I mean, we, we, you've got to get staff to a point where they're comfortable uh, interpreting vulnerability, recognising clients that are in difficult circumstances might need a bit more support. From that, we have, as, as most providers now will on the financial services side, uh, a vulnerable client register. So when, when we identify uh, a client as vulnerable or whether one of our introducers lets us know, then we can start to ask ourselves and the client whether there's anything else we can do differently to support them. Um, you know, we can't, we can't support them always in, in, the, in the circumstances that are driving the vulnerability, but perhaps we can just make ourselves a little bit more easy to deal with. Um, as well as giving a definition of vulnerability, what's, I think, more useful. Uh, the FCA originally listed what they call risk factors for vulnerability, uh, but then they've changed that now into what they call drivers, so circumstantial drivers of vulnerability. Uh, on the kind of four main headings, they've got about 23 listed uh, drivers, which is everything from um, you know, physical disability, uh, mental health difficulties, cognitive decline, across to, um, from an accessibility point of view, financial capability uh, and low emotional re- resilience so there's a whole range of stuff to, to consider uh, and as well uh, another factor to consider there is there are direct drivers of vulnerabilities I would call them which perhaps is you know someone is visually impaired and we send them you know a wonderful investment commentary that's you know 10 pages long you know the best one in the world it's useless to them um, if that client rings us and, and tells us about their visual impairment then we can offer them an alternative solution you know be it large print uh, format braille etc but that one from, from you know, one way of looking at it is that's an easy interaction because it's direct but when you go across to the other stuff like emotional resilience or financial capability 
how do you identify that a client maybe is suffering from that point of view and just doesn't understand the services that you're offering to them? So, for example, one of the things we've tried to do there is just broaden the spectrum of accessibility to our services. So, yes, on one hand, we do have wonderful investment commentaries that are very detailed because you'd expect an asset manager to have a good handle on events all across the globe that are driving portfolio returns. Um, on the other hand, some clients just don't find it easy to read and don't understand some of the jargon in it. So we started to build down into more simpler content, client-facing content, and even short animations that just do things, you know, that cover topics such as what is risk, what is diversification, et cetera, and what, what are the benefits of working with a financial advisor? Just so some people feel more encouraged to engage with us. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. So on the you touched in there, I suppose, a couple of times around st- staff and, and staff understanding and trying to identify those areas. How do you, you know, as a, in a financial services ourselves how do you how do you go about building those blocks i guess to train and educate internally yeah Yeah, again again, we're looking at guidance was very strong uh, on this kind of stuff um so we we put together a training session i was already talking about vulnerability you know when i joined brooks mcdonald because i work on the sort of what we call our core protection and personal injury proposition so i've got a very good handle on this regulation and i was kind of talking about that with financial advisors and lawyers in particular um, and then we looked at our own client bank, Brooks, and then we put a training package together um, for, from our own experience, um, focusing in quite strongly on, on the, the key drivers of vulnerability with our own client bank. And one of those in particular is cognitive decline mental capacity. Um, but we also work with an external law firm, a firm called CMS, who are, um, you know, they, they, they've got expertise around the legal aspects of financial services compliance. That's a bit of a mouthful, but they were really useful to come in and give us their thoughts as well. So, you know, the, the FCA guidance is very good around, you know, what, what signs you could look out for to see if a client's vulnerable, such as, you know, asking repeated questions, failing to understand the topic you're discussing with them, perhaps friends and family, in inverted commas, interfering with finances when, when maybe they shouldn't do, and all these kind of things. So, we did some training uh, around that. Um, we'll be revisiting that again soon because the, the, the regulator is going to be focusing strongly on vulnerability in 2023. So we need a refresher. Uh, and again, we'll be looking at the, the key drivers that we see in our, our client bank um, for, for things to be aware of. But another thing to, to be aware of, and I, w- I was speaking on a panel debate uh, last week in, in London alongside a couple of other financial services providers. The, the other thing to be aware of is, is that you know, you need to facilitate change in your business. So it's one thing to, to identify vulnerability, but then you, you're going to have to evidence what you've done about your experience and how you change your service provision and even product design, you know, to account for the, the vulnerable clients that you're interacting with. So it's very much kind of a training people to recognize vulnerability, making sure it's recorded in an appropriate way, but then responding as a business to that market. Um, and I think there'll be there'll be big benefits to us as a business uh, and to anyone who, who adopts a kind of flexible and adaptive pro- approach to working with these clients, because you'll come across situations where clients aren't, aren't perhaps accessing your services in the way that's most beneficial to them. And if we can break some of those barriers down, I think that can only help us to broaden our, our customer base. Um, and in, a, in, a, in any eventuality, you know, most, I was speaking to Phil earlier today, most um, you know, financial services or even legal services client banks have an average age of 60 plus, uh, and those clients are living now longer. You know, people in the age 85 plus category, the number of people in that category in the UK is going to double in the next 10 years, which is going to bring a whole range of issues that need to be accounted for. 
And again, if that's going to be a core part of our client banks, you know, the more we can do to, to develop our service around it, will one, protect clients, uh, two, protect us from regulatory risk, but I think three, grow our customer base. So you touched on there, and it's a question I had around pro- uh, product design. How, how does that, uh, or how do businesses think about that aspect of it when you're thinking vulnerable clients? Yeah, I think you're always encouraged to think, obviously, about your target market. Uh, but what I think we need to do in this area is maybe work more closely with our clients. So one thing we can do more of maybe is seek more interaction with the clients that are on the vulnerable client register, if it's appropriate. In some circumstances, we might be able to reach out to them to say, actually, this is the way we built this product. Is there something we could have done differently that would have made it more easy for you to interact with? Uh, And another ideal way to do that, um, and again, this came up on this panel debate last week with the, the people from the third sector, the charities that were there, they say they often get product providers coming to them when they built something and say, we built this service. Tell us what you think about it. And they think, well, why didn't you come to us while you were building it? Because, you know, these charities have got, you know, phenomenal uh, insight into some of the drivers of vulnerability that we've got to account for. And, and I think what came across from them was there is good interaction from financial services and legal services firms with charities, but often not around product design, which could make people's lives easier. A lot of it's about basically, you know, in some circumstances, it's just about having the badge, the charity badge aligned to your firm and maybe doing some fundraising for them, which don't get me wrong, that's great. It's all bringing money to the charities. But are we actually collaborating enough to really make a difference to people's lives? And the answer is probably no. Yeah, okay. So so touched on there, obviously, the part of, part of, part of this process is it's important for clients to, to think about the vulnerability aspects. I guess there's a, a, a regulatory need more and more now to do that. Uh, and you, you touched on briefly there, like uh, I suppose a business sense to do it as well. Uh, that's obviously something that's that, that is important as, as a kind of part of that process. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think I think something the FCA want businesses to adopt a, a culture that accounts for these clients. You know, effectively in financial services, we're all well aware of regulations around know your clients, um, you know, around suitability uh, and making sure that that. that you know, knowledge uh, is kept perfectly up to date to make sure that recommendations are, are fully suitable. And I see the vulnerability thing is almost an extension of that. It's just like looking at yourself and think, can, can I do a bit more for that client? Can I understand that client a little bit better? And, and some people often talk about this stigma around vulnerability. This comes up again and again. And people say, how do I raise vulnerability with my clients without upsetting them, basically? But I think that comes down to an educational piece that if you're a, you know, a provider with a strong culture of looking after your clients, you're going to want to raise vulnerability with them, you know, any, any interaction, but even when they're, they're quite young, perhaps, and nowhere near a difficult situation, you want to talk about vulnerability and how you could help them when times might change. And as you know, you know, in financial services, you know, advisors are acutely aware of some of the risks that people face in their lives. We're helping people to plan, hopefully, for brighter futures. You know, we're investing money for people's futures. At the same time, we're all aware that, you know, uh, living a longer life doesn't always come uh, as comfortably as it might. And, and preparing people and discussing with them the difficult times uh, just makes them more aware that, you know, of what you can do as a service provider to assist them. Um, you know, we, we did a, a report some time ago, touching on the theme of intergenerational wealth transfer now, if you just stick with me. Did a report a while ago to ask um, potential beneficiaries of estates what was most important to them 
uh, from their wealth manager or financial advisor that would make them retain their services after mum and dad had passed on. And the two things that came up were um, ethical investment, unsurprisingly, because you know there's a, there's a whole wave behind that, and, and you know especially or more so rather with younger generations. Um, the other one was technology, so they want access to services, they want to see valuations online, be able to access financial advisors you know, remotely. What they didn't put down, what didn't come up, which surprised me, was that they they want their financial advisor to have educated them about mum and dad's later years. So things such as you know being prepared for cognitive decline being aware of the cost of care um, because our experience and the experience of the financial advisor I do with and the lawyers is that quite often families aren't prepared and it's 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 during very difficult circumstances such as when mum or dad is losing capacity in in old age and needing to go into care that if you're not prepared and you've not got the legal backdrop of power of attorney etc you can't access funds to pay for those things and what happens is an already difficult situation is is made worse so I think there's an opportunity for businesses to engage clients that they're dealing with now, but also engage uh, across the generation and bring in, you know, younger members of their families. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of food for thought there. I appreciate your time and, and educating us a little bit more on vulnerable clients. Thanks for joining yeah, us today. No problem. Del- delighted to spend some time with you. Great. Thanks for listening, everyone.